This is the Legacy Lineup. I'm your host, Rin the Law Lawwell. Joining me is my co-host, Jimmy Barnett. Jimmy, our second time recording this episode today. Uh, we already went about an hour uh, on this episode, and then we lost all of our files, thanks to me. So recording our fourth episode once again. Uh, hopefully we can bring you the same fire we brought in that deleted file. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm pumped to do this two times in one day. No, uh, you know, we're learning as we go and things like this happen. But, yeah, I mean, we're out here in the garage. We've got this new setup, uh, new equipment. And like I said, we're learning about it. Uh, hopefully we learned the files and the programs. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of new stuff to us. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a tech guy. So, and apparently Ren's not either. So we're learning. Terrible. But I feel like Steve Jobs out here. So let's see. Let's get this thing going, man. All right, Steve. Well, yo, so we did get some new equipment, got some new microphones. Uh, trying to bring you a better experience as our listeners. Um, also, I got to give a shout out to my wife, Marissa. She designed a uh, new logo for us. I'm sure if you follow us on Twitter, you've seen that logo. I think it's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, sure. it has all the elements of the show, sports, hunting, uh, and then, of course, the two main elements, us, uh, in cartoon form. So it looks pretty cool. Uh, we, we both obviously went and got shirts made up for ourselves. Uh, and in the future, we hope to, uh, if you're interested in getting one as our listeners, uh, we hope to be able to find a company that can make those uh, to make them look nice so that we can get those out there to, to our listeners. So excited about that. Um, you know, so first topic, you know, one that we're both really excited about and, and we've been following the Reds. Very hot start for the Cincinnati Reds, six and one. Um, you know, they've, they've swept um, the uh, Pirates in their last series. They beat the Cardinals uh, to win the series in the first series of the season. And then they won the, the game last night against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, Jimmy, first overall thoughts on the Reds this season so far? Well, I think, you know, I, you know, when the season started, opening day didn't go how anybody thought. But I think the one thing you could take away from opening day was the bats were there. They, You know, we were hitting the ball. The Reds were hitting the ball. Um, there's a lot of exciting things about this team from top to bottom. You're talking your lineup, your, your infield, your outfield, your rotation, your bullpen, your back end of your bullpen. Uh, very exciting. Uh, there's a lot of exciting talent. Um, health is always going to be a thing for the Reds uh, in any team, but hopefully they can stay healthy, keep this thing going. Uh, you know, if we're going to jump into individual players here, uh, obviously Nick Cassianos, he is he is a firecracker, man. I mean, he has been on fire. Uh, cooled down a little bit last night, uh, but you know he, he's been uh, he's been playing great, and he's always fun to watch. He brings an energy to Cincinnati that I don't think they've seen for a few years. I mean, no. You'd be going and back to 2010, probably. He, he leads them in average so far this young season with a 429 average. Uh, he's hit four bombs. Um, most notably, uh, you know, the play that everybody saw early in the season against the Cardinals, um, you know, was the uh, play that ended up getting him a two-game suspension, which he's currently appealing. Um, but he was hit by a pitch, uh, ended up stealing home on a pass ball, and then got in the pitcher's face. Kind of just a fiery attitude, like you said, and, and that ended up giving him a two-game suspension. Uh, Yadimir, Yad, Yadier Molina, who uh, grabbed him by the neck, didn't get anything out of that. But yeah, Yadi doesn't get a thing. But uh, like Castiano said, you know, he he let that dude punch him in the face and then ask him for his autograph. You know, I personally would run like a little baby, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, but you know, Castiano's a guy that is very uh, exciting to watch. Uh, he's a guy that I, I'm kind of you know fearful that he may be uh, chasing more of a uh, uh, what's the way I'm looking to phrase this. He may be chasing kind of that big city lights, I guess. Uh, he may be one of those guys that wants to go and play in, in, in L.A. or New York or, you know, somewhere where he can get, you know, the recognition that he really honestly deserves. 
Um, but, you know, he hasn't really had a chance, and it kind of sucks because last year, obviously no fans in the stands for Cincinnati. This year it's, it's limited, so he's not really getting the experience of, uh, you know, having those fan, fan interactions in the ballpark and hearing the fans, you know, get loud for him. He's been fired up so far early in the season, and, you know, he's not really getting the draw off that energy, I guess, from the Cincinnati fans. Well, so. I mean, we all know Cincinnati's a baseball town. It's definitely yeah. not a football town. They suck bad. They just do. <laughs> Yeah, they do. But, um, you know, Cincinnati's a baseball town. It's a baseball city. Uh, I, I, I look for these guys. I hope they stay. I mean, I like to take the season one season at a time. Uh, th- this team can win ball games, and that's the bottom line. One of the exciting things about the Reds this year, Jonathan India, dude's a stud. I yeah, mean, for sure. We've been talking about it. I've been talking about it for two years. Finally gets a shot. Uh, he went on like a five-game hitting streak. Uh most hits, most ribbies by a rookie. I mean, this dude's there's comparisons with this team to the 1976 World Series team. That's exciting. I know it's an early season. We're still early, but this team can hit. Yeah, 155 games left. You mentioned Jonathan India. He's second on the Reds with a 400 batting average this year so far to start off the season. Uh, he's a guy that you and I both went on, uh, DHgate, the Chinese app, to get our Jonathan India Reds jerseys because uh, he's someone that we're really excited to support in this season. Um, he was a guy that we, you know, weren't sure was going to make the uh, the opening day roster, um, and then in spring training he lit it up, uh, and he's really been, you know, kind of the catalyst of this offense so far. Um, I think I saw, you know, yesterday was the first time he went 0 for 4 against the Diamondbacks, uh, but it was the first time that he did not have an RBI with runners in scoring position on the season. So, uh, for a guy who's getting his first major league action, very impressive defensively. He's been excellent as well. Yeah, and he he tagged a couple of balls last night. I mean, I thought he took one out to right field. It was caught right on the wall. So, I mean, he's swinging a hot bat. And like you said, defensively, moving over from the left side of the infield to the right side, um, if you're not a baseball guy or girl or whatever, if, if you're not a baseball fan or you haven't played the sport, softball, baseball, um, moving from one side of the infield to the other, it's an adjustment. I mean, there's the angles are different, um, you know, but, man, he has made it look easy. I mean, really, he has. Now, Suarez, you know, moving positions, he struggled a little bit. But, you know, India has really made it look easy. Yeah, you mentioned Eugenio Suarez. Uh, three errors so far on the season. Um, two in one game. I think that was against the Cardinals. Um, he struggled with the transition a little bit, but I think he'll be fine. As you mentioned, uh, he did play shortstop early on in his career. Um, but his struggles have been mainly at the plate. I mean, he's hitting 136 on the season. He's a guy that we expect 40 home runs from. Uh, year in and year out, and he he's really just not been able to come through, you know, so far in this young season. Hopefully, he can get out of that slump. Uh, not something we kind of mentioned on our <laughs> previously deleted file episode, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, so A. Eugenio, uh, he is struggling right now, but there's guys that you know are picking that up, picking up that slack. Uh, you know, Vado and Suarez have kind of been those two premier players, I guess, the Reds have had in the last several seasons. Uh, and both of those guys are struggling right now, but the other guys are picking up the slack. The two newer new war reds, Cassianos, and then Mike Mustakis, who they both who they brought in the last year. Um, those guys are you know hitting the ball very well right now. Mustakis is hitting three thirty three, um, you know, with uh, three RBIs and a home run. Cassianos already mentioned four twenty nine with four home runs and seven RBIs. Uh, and then the guys in the outfield, man, I tell you what, just stacked out for Tyler Naquin leading the majors in homers right now. Yeah, Tyler Naquin, a guy that came over from the Cleveland Indians organization, um, had a couple good years in that organization. Um, really, just never found his footing in that outfield. But he's here as a guy that was kind of thought to be, I think maybe a you know just a uh, guy they weren't sure was going to stick. Uh, and he you know has made a name for himself so far in these first six games. 
like you said, five home runs, 14 RBIs. Pretty sure he's leading the major leagues in RBIs right now. Yeah, I mean, that outfield stacked, great problem to have. Yeah. Uh, you got, you know, you got Naquin Winker is on fire. I mean, coming back off the flu, uh, that's really what gave Naquin. We probably would have never seen this out of Naquin if Winker didn't get sick. Yeah. So it's kind of like a godsend that he got sick. Um, you know, luckily he's healthy uh, back out there. But, I mean, he goes like three for three yesterday. Dude's on a tear at the plate. Uh, Sinzel is on fire. He's batting over 300. Um, Castellanos is on fire. You know, he's cooled down in the last couple games. But uh, this outfield, I mean, Shogo's not even played yet. So right. there's a lot of things to be excited about if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan. And then it also brings up a lot of questions. You know, when Shogo comes back, you know, who's going to who's gonna drop? Um, you know, in my personal opinion, um, I think you keep all those guys. You know, Aquino, another guy that we haven't mentioned yet, yeah. he's hitting over 300 right now. Uh, hit, hit a couple home runs on the season as well. Um, he's a guy that I think you got to have, you know, as, as a stick in your lineup um, occasionally. A guy to come off and pinch hit, um, you know, potentially play in the in, in left field occasionally when you know Naquin and uh, Winker need a break. But you know, I think they got to keep all those guys and make a spot for Shogo as well. You know, I know it's a lot of outfielders. Um, you know, hopefully some of those guys can transition to play other other positions. Like I would, like I you know mentioned, I'd like to see. Uh, Naquin and Winker possibly playing first base, you know, give, you know, Joey Votto some rest and you know, he's in his old age. He might need it. Um, but you know, I think Blandino has got to be the odd man out at that point, you know, when Shogo comes back. Yeah. I mean, Shogo and Sonny Gray's, I mean, Shogo's a month out. Sonny Gray's coming back next True. week. So that's crazy too. I mean, think about the rotation who's coming out though. Daily on pitch. Great. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, Hoffman, he got a Hoffman pitch start. The, yep. It's a good problem to have in Cincinnati. It's a problem we haven't seen the Reds have. So I'm excited. Uh, like you said, Winker, maybe learn to play some first. Naquin learn to play for some first. I think Joey Votto, you know, he's not an everyday player anymore. No, um, he would be a guy you had in the lineup. If we had a universal DH, we don't. So uh, we should. It's a, it, yeah. I mean, it's something, I mean, I can see the benefit of it for the Reds, especially, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting, though. These are good problems to have. I'm excited about think, this team. And, you know, I think the most surprising thing so far for us, you know, we obviously I kind of got back into baseball maybe three years ago with you because I know you've always been huge into the Reds. But, um, you know, just to give us something to talk about, I kind of got back into it. But it's kind of been the same team for the last several years, um, you know, with the additions of Cassianos and the Moustakis last year. But besides that, I mean, you know, it's been the same team, the same core group of guys. And these young guys are stepping up. Um, some veterans are stepping up. We can't fail to mention Tucker Barnhart. I mean, we both have talked about it in the past. You know, he's been an offensive um, limitation to this squad in the past. Um, you know, a lot of pop-ups to the infield or the short outfield. Um, he's struggled offensively. And, you know, this year he's really turned a corner well, and he's turned it on offensively. And we've always said, I mean, you know, it's not that I dislike Tucker. Tucker is a good baseball player. He is a defensive specialist. I mean, right. the guy's a, a brick wall back winner. there. Right. Um, he, he knocks the ball down, but this year, I mean, in the off season, he really worked on a swing. I mean, I, I've been reading a little bit about it. Um, you know, he shared some of his experiences on Twitter and he is a switch hitter, right? Yeah. So. And he, he quit switch hitting. He's only strictly a lefty now. Right. So he no longer switch hits, which gives him more focus there at the plate on one side, uh, kind of perfecting his swing. Tucker's not a home run guy, but I think he's that left center gap guy. Tucker can hit some little bloopers out there in the left center. And if he can get that going, we have Tyler Stevenson backing him up. Right. I mean, that right there is a good one-two punch. The Reds, I'm going to keep saying it, 
they have good problems. Right. Um, and I've got to apologize to Tucker Barnhart because, you know, I was on the train of keeping Casale, letting Tucker Barnhart go just for the, for, for the, from an offensive standpoint. Um, obviously, Tucker Barnhart, like you said, is a very good defender. He's a multiple gold, gold glove winner behind the plate. I mean, he's always been an, an, an asset in that in that area. But, you know, I felt like, you know, as a position that the Reds needed somebody that could hit. I felt like Stevenson should be the everyday guy. Um, you know, and it was kind of interesting because they they played Tucker last night uh, against a left-handed pitcher, which typically would be a Stevenson um, matchup for them. But Tucker's been on fire. He's the guy that got the game-winning hit last night to knock off the uh, Diamondbacks in extra innings. Um, very, very impressed with him so far on the season. Hopefully he can continue that. And when he's not, hopefully Stevenson can step in there and, and make up for that offensively as well. But like I said, you know, that's, it's kind of the same team we've seen. Guys are just producing, and it's been exciting to watch so far. Young guys stepping up. Uh, the pitching staff, like you said, a couple of guys in the rotation this year that we didn't really expect to see in Jose De Leon, uh, Jeff Hoffman, who they traded for, uh, both been very good. Tyler Malley, another one. You know, we talk about him a lot. Um, you know, he's a guy that had some struggles early in his career, but – and he's pumped the velo. I mean, he's up right. to 98 miles per hour now. His off-speed's much better. I think uh, the one thing, you know, he struggles with is control. finishing. He struggles with his control and finishing batters, finishing innings. Um, if you watch Tyler Malley pitch, he might get two outs, but then he struggles. He, he might throw 15 more pitches in the inning. He's a very so, emotional player as well. Yeah, I mean, but that's a good thing. I mean, there's a lot of good things about this Reds team. I, I think the one thing, you know, it is a lot of the same guys, but – we noticed at the end of last year, I think halfway through the season last year, and it was a shortened 60-game COVID season, we noticed halfway through, everybody was like, man, the Reds are done, they're out. Of course, optimistic fan here, me, I was like, yeah, we can do this. But they turned it on. And this is the same team we're seeing carry over. I mean, Shogo, I can't wait till he gets back because he's just an asset defensively, and he can hit. Yeah, um, His technique is like none other. I mean, he, the guy can hit the ball. So it's kind of rolling over from last year. I mean, I don't really think it's surprising. I saw it on the roster on paper. We saw it at the end of last year. You it's rolling over games. into this year. 90-plus wins, baby. World Series. Here we go. Let's go. 155 games left to play. Um, but just looking at what they've done already this season, uh, so beating the Cardinals in a series to open um, at a home. They lost their first game. Castillo gave up, I think it was six runs in the first inning, and they were just not able to recover from that. Uh, they lost that 11-6, to six, but finished off winning that series against the Cardinals, who we both feel are probably one of the better teams in the National yeah. League. And just to hit on Castillo, his last outing, unbelievable. I mean, obviously it was against the Pirates, but mm -hmm. um, he looked way better. The changeup was on cue. Yeah. Uh, what do you go, seven or eight innings in that game? I think mean, he went seven, yeah. And then when we talk about the back end of that bullpen, Amir Garrett, Lucas Sims, uh, TJ Antone, I mean, he's like that long reliever. Uh, Amir Garrett and Lucas Sims, I mean, I don't even think they're in form yet, but we're winning games. And like you told me last night when you guys thought I was dead because I fell asleep in like the fifth before Antone, right when Antone came in. Those guys, um, you know, a lot of fans went to sleep probably thinking, oh, man, they blew a five-run lead, five to five, it's going to extras, this game's over. Well, I woke up in the extras, and the Reds, you know, you woke up this morning, Reds got a six to five W, yeah. and we're rolling into game two of this series tonight. And I think, you know, because I, you know, I felt that way when I was going to wake up this morning, I was going to see the Reds lost in, you know, extra innings because that's what we've seen in the past. And, and they, they're not doing the things that they did in the past, like losing games to bad teams. And, and they're beating teams that they shouldn't beat, and they're beating teams they should beat. Um, not necessarily they shouldn't beat the Cardinals, but uh, they're winning games that they should win. Um, and that's something they haven't done in the past. They go to Pittsburgh and lose a series to a terrible Pirates team in the past. 
Uh, but they're not doing that this year, and it's, it's, it's impressive to see. You know, I'm excited for what the future holds for them. Um, Got to give the credit to David Bell so far. You know, I, we've talked about him a lot in the past as far as the decisions that he's made, especially with the bullpen. Um, there was the David Hernandez era where he wanted to, for, for whatever reason, wanted to throw him into every single game, uh, and they would blow the lead. Um, but, you know, we're not talking about David Bell a lot this year, and I think that's because he's doing a pretty good job. Yeah, he definitely is. And, I, you know, talking about the coach and Derek Johnson, our pitching coach, I mean, you know, he. I was listening to John Sadak, the new play by play guy for the Reds. He was on, awesome, by the on way. On Valley Sports. He's awesome. Larkin, I mean, Larkin likes to talk about himself a lot. But other than that, I mean, you know, I was listening to these guys and a lot of quotes that you take away from things as a, as a fan. And I'm listening, you know, Derek Johnson, he tells his guy, get 1% better every day. Get 1% better today than you were yesterday and get 1% better tomorrow than you were today. So, and, and, you know, they also say, you know, one of the other big sayings with the Reds, um, I think one of their base coaches says, you know, be great at what you do good. And I think that's some things these, this Reds team is taking, you know, they're running with those, those quotes. You know, they're running with that inspiration. And they are. They're getting 1% better. I mean, I know it's a young season. I'm kind of going off what they did last year. Obviously, the Braves series in the postseason wasn't fun. Couldn't score with runners in scoring position. But you got guys, I mean, our six, seven, eight holes hitting the ball. Yeah. I can't sure. remember the last time in Cincinnati that ever happened in my life. Right. <laughs> no question. And it's those guys. It's India. It's, it's Tucker Barnhart. You know, those guys down at the bottom of the order, they're really stepping up. And that's kind of what we hope happens is when those guys, because, you know, baseball's a long season, obviously. Guys are eventually going to go into slumps. Yeah, you know, slumps guys are, are coming. Slumps. Right. Uh, so streets. hopefully when those guys that are that are hot right now, like Naquin and, and, and Tucker Barnhart and Jonathan India, hopefully when those guys go into their slumps, the guys like Eugenio Suarez step up. The guys I mean, like Joey Votto think step about up. It. Let's walk through that lineup. One, two, hitting the ball good. Three, right. four, not hitting the ball good. Right. Five, six, seven, eight, hitting the ball good. Right. That's unbelievable. Because I mean, three, four is yeah, three, four is technically supposed to be your best hitters, right? Yeah, I mean, and they're not even really producing yet. So, right. I mean, I just get excited, man. I could talk about it all day. I mean, this Cincinnati Reds team is fun to watch. Um, it's something that I'm excited for this 8 p.m. game tonight. I mean, you know, right. I mean, it's just fun to sit down and watch these Reds on TV. Hopefully, get to the ballpark a few times this year. This, this is fun to watch, man. And they and they are in Arizona still, so they're still on a road trip to Arizona. Uh, they'll wrap up with that on Sunday. So they got two more with the Diamondbacks, and then they go to uh, the Giants in San Francisco before coming back home for the Cleveland Indians. So um, exciting week of baseball for us to catch up on. Um, excited to watch the Reds continue to progress. Best record in baseball right now. We'll see how long that lasts. You know, they've scored more runs than, you know, I think there's only like two or three teams that have scored more runs at this point in history of yeah. baseball. So. And, and real quick before we jump off the Reds, I think one thing that's really important for any team, but especially Cincinnati, if Nick Senzel can stay healthy, Nick Senzel is an all-star caliber player. I mean, he really is. The dude, I mean, he started out cold. I mean, he was 0 for I don't know what, but then now he's on, I mean, he's batting over 300. I think he's like 313, 331, something like that. Nick Senzel, I mean, he's already made a different difference on the base paths. Um, do the little things right, and he's one of those guys. He is a speed demon. Him and Jonathan India both. I mean, they run like the wind. I mean, they're fast. So just, you know, if Nick Senzel can stay healthy, some of these other guys can stay healthy. This team, this team's fun to watch, man. I'm and that's the big, I'm gonna say it all year. That's the big if, though. If if Senzel can stay healthy. We saw you you mentioned it opening day. We saw a little bit of a scare of an injury, you know, a, a, a shoulder injury. He's he's been he's battled those injuries throughout his career, uh, and you know, like we said on our other episode, 
guys, you know, some guys have different body types that can handle injuries different ways. And Senzel, you know, hasn't been the best at handling injuries throughout his career. Yeah, and I mean, like you've even said, he's soft. But I, I don't know that he's soft. I think Nick Senzel wants to be out there playing baseball every day. Um, these guys, you know, I've compared him to not like caliber talent, but Ken Griffey Jr., when he came to Cincinnati, he was hurt all the time. But you've seen highlight reels of Ken Griffey Jr. diving in the walls. I mean, so I think Nick Senzel is that kind of player. I mean, and he wants he's got to be careful. When yeah, he's out there. and that's I think that's something he's going to learn as he he becomes a veteran in this league. Is he's going to learn about what the things he has to do. Maybe he doesn't dive for that ball. Yes, it might look like he's slacking a little bit, but if that means Nick Senzel can play a full season, I'm all for it. I mean, just like moving uh, Gino to shortstop. I mean, yeah, he's going to make errors. We've seen it. But if that means we can get all these sticks in the lineup, move guys around, gave India a chance to play, think about that. For you, A. Eugenio Suarez haters, if he doesn't move to shortstop, we might not see Jonathan India. Right. That's that's 100% accurate. Yeah, for sure. Um, so staying on the same topic of Major League Baseball, um, and by the way, I want to throw one more thing in about uh, the Reds. They currently lead the uh, Major League. They currently lead all of Major League Baseball with team average of three ten. Um, so another cool stat. I've we, never heard somebody say that in my life. <laughs> yeah. The Reds are never doing that. And how many runs have they scored? I know they've only played like what six or seven games. Seven, yeah. I think. But they, uh, it's got to be over fifty or sixty. Yeah, it's sixty right now. Unbelievable. That's number one in baseball. I bet it is. The next closest might be in the forties. Forty-three. There you go, baby. Let's go, Reds. Actually, forty-nine. Sorry, the Houston yeah. Astros. Have For all you haters out there, Indians fans, whoever you are. The Cincinnati Reds are really. I don't think shit. the Indians hate the Reds. I, I would say you you're probably talking more to like the Cubs or the Cubs, uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah, my uncle he's a big Cardinals fan. Brewers, Brewers. Uh, but anyway, on to our next topic. You know, I thought it'd be kind of cool for us to kind of go through Major League Baseball and look at different divisions and and, and kind of give our predictions on where we think those teams in those divisions will finish uh, for the season. So I think we're going to start with the NL East and the AL East as we begin these predictions. So we'll start with the NL East. Last year, of course, the uh, Atlanta Braves finished first in the NL East. They've finished first of the last two or three years, I believe, in that division. Uh, the Braves responsible for knocking our Reds out of the playoffs last year. Um, so they have a very impressive lineup, a very good pitching staff. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Braves, Jim? I mean, you know, the Braves are tough. I, I, I don't think they're going to win the division this year. I think they're going to come in second. Uh, probably be a wild card team. Um, I think the Phillies are tough. I, I'm a big – I like the Phillies. I'm a big Bryce Harper guy. Uh, I think they're going to win the division. Um, you and I have talked. The Nationals are a scary team on paper. I mean, they got a lot of experience, uh, you know, picking up Josh Bell in a trade. Uh, so, for me, that division, you know, if we're just running through predictions on the division, I'm probably going to go Phillies, Braves, Nats, uh, Mets, Marlins. And, and, honestly, that division could flip-flop with those top four because, you know, the Mets picked up uh, Francisco Lindor, Signed a big 10-year, $341 million contract. Um, you know, I mean, he can definitely afford to take me out for a nice dinner. Yeah. He, that dude's got money now. Lindor's a dude that we watched play uh, when he's in Columbus. Yeah, at the Clippers. At the Clippers. So, Stop. I mean, that's going to be a fun division and probably one of the toughest divisions in baseball, yeah. really. A lot, of, a lot of star power in the in the NL East. You know, I, you mentioned the Braves. Um, you know, I think I have them winning the division again this year. I think their their pitching staff is what gets it done for them. Uh, their rotation, we saw those guys uh, in the playoff matchup we had with them last year, uh, led by Max Freed, uh, Ian Anderson, Drew Smiley. They got Charlie Morton coming over from the Tampa Bay Rays. He was on that World Series roster for the Rays uh, in that staff. Uh, impressive guy. Uh, and then Mike Soroka's coming back from an injury as well. But, I mean, their lineup is pretty impressive. 
Um, you know, you got guys like Freddie Freeman, the NL MVP, uh, Alzi Albies, Austin Riley at third base, uh, Dansby Swanson, um, you know, Marcelo Zuna, they brought him back, power hitting left fielder. Uh, Christian Pache is in center field, and then Ronald Acuna Jr., of course, you know, who hits bombs in, in right field. So they're a very impressive lineup. Offensively, they were the best team in baseball, I think, last year on paper uh, as far as team average goes and runs scored. Um, but I have them finishing first in the division in the NL East, followed by uh, the Washington Nationals for me. Uh, 2019, I believe, World Series champions. Um, they're an impressive team on paper as well. And like I told you, I think, you know, five years ago, this may be the best team in baseball, you know, based on what they have as far as talent. But they're kind of an aged team, a bunch of veterans on this team that you may not, you know, get the same production from now. Um, but pitching staff for, for the uh, Nationals, like I said, five years ago is, is scary good. Uh, but this year we'll see. Max uh, Scherzer is their, their ace. Um, he's getting up there in age. Steven Strasburg as well. Patrick Corbin, uh, a guy that, you know, had a good World Series run. Uh, then John Lester, they bring him in from the Cubs. So those four are very solid pitcher, pitchers. We'll see if they can uh, produce based on their you know current age and situation. Uh, but then they brought in Brad Hand from the Indians in the bullpen. Um, they've got a couple other guys in the bullpen that are impressive, as in you know Tanner Rainey, Daniel Hudson. And then you look at their their lineup. So Jonathan Lucor, their catcher, Josh Bell at first base, um, you know Josh Harrison at second base, um, Starling Castro at third base. Trey Turner, uh, the shortstop, he's a young player that a lot of people think can be a stud uh, in, in the league. Carter Keyboom as well. And then in the outfield, um, you know, we talked about um, the trades they've made. Uh, they get Kyle Schwarber from the Cubs, a uh, guy that can hit 30 home runs a year, uh, impressive guy. He's probably never going to hit over 300, but he can hit 30 bombs a year. Uh, you got Juan Soto, who I think is probably one of the best players in baseball, top five player in baseball probably right freak, now. Freak. Absolute stud, yeah. Um, so the Nationals, for me, are in second place. I got the Braves in first. Third place for me would be the Phillies. Uh, I like their rotation as well. They got Aaron Nola, uh, one of the young starting pitchers. It's kind of a stud. Jack or Zach Wheeler, excuse me, brought him over from the Mets. Um, so their starting pitching staff's okay. Uh, their bullpen has been their issue, and we didn't mention Archie Bradley yet, but guy that the Reds traded for last year from the Diamondbacks, he only made two appearances for the Reds uh, in his Reds career. And then it was shipped off to the uh, Phillies and free agency. So um, their, their bullpen was the worst in, in Major League Baseball last year. So we'll see how that improves. That's going to be their downfall if they have one uh, because their lineup's pretty good. JT Realmuto, of course, catcher, all star, perennially. Uh, Reese Hopkins uh, at first base, uh, Gene Segura at second. Uh, third base is Alec Baum, one of their top prospects. And then shortstop, they re signed Didi Gregorius. Um, to come back, a guy we thought maybe the Reds would go after at shortstop. Uh, but then in the outfield, they're stacked out there as well. Andrew McCutcheon, former MVP out there. Uh, Roman Quinn in center. Uh, and then Bryce Harper, uh, one of the best players in baseball, one of the richest players in baseball and right as well. Um, so I got the Phillies in third. Then the Mets, of course, you mentioned them. Um, they're a team that a lot of people have high expectations for. They got a new owner uh, who's looking to spend some money. Uh, I know he's he's already spent some money on uh, Francisco Lindor, as you mentioned. Uh, getting $341 million, but uh, their their rotation's pretty good. Uh, I could see the Mets, you know, finishing anywhere from first to third to fourth. You know, it, it just depends on what they get uh, production-wise. But their pitching staff's very good. Jacob deGrom, of course, you know, their leader in that area. Uh, they got Marcus Stroman. They brought over Carlos Carrasco from the Indians. Uh, and then they have uh, Tywin Walker uh, and Joey Lachesi as well. Um, 
Their lineup's pretty good as well. Uh, catcher James McCann, uh, we've seen him kind of bounce around the league a little bit. Pete Alonzo, the polar bear at first base. Uh, and then second base, you have Villar. Uh, third base, J- J.D. Davis. Uh, shortstop Lindor, of course. And then the outfield, um, Michael Conforto. If you watched that game, what was it, Thursday? Uh, yeah. He's the guy that leaned into the pitch uh, to get a walk-off win for the Mets. And the ump of- came out and said that it should have been strike three out. Because yeah, controversial call. Uh, but then uh, for me, in last place in the NL East, Miami Marlins. They're a team that you know made it to the playoffs last year in the shortened season. Uh, also an expanded playoff format. Uh, two things that worked in their favor to get them into the playoffs, I think. They're a young team, um, and I know you said that if you know you were going to put some money on a team to to win a division, it would be the Marlins uh, because of the odds that they have right now. But I mean, I just feel like they're not. You know, maybe I don't want to say it was a fluke last year, but I just feel like they're not in a position to, you know, to win to win this division with so much talent in this division. There's four teams I mentioned before: the Braves, Nationals, Phillies, and Mets. All have so much talent. I just don't see. I, I don't think the Marlins can can compensate for that. Uh, but if you look at their their roster. The rotation, you got uh, Sixto Sanchez, uh, Pablo Lopez, uh, Sandy Alcantara, um, decent young uh, pitching staff. Um, their their lineup, um, Horge, or, uh, Horge. <laughs> George Alfaro, uh, Garrett Cooper at first base, uh, John Birdie at second, Brian Anderson at third, Miguel Rojas at shortstop, and then the outfield, Corey Dickerson, former Red Adam Duvall, uh, and – Lewis Brinson in the outfield. So um, young team, I have them in fourth. Um, so I got it, Braves, Nationals, Phillies, Mets, Marlins. Um, so that wraps up the NL East for us. So now the next uh, section for us is the AL East. Of course, last year the Tampa Bay Rays finished first in the AL East. They ended up going to the World Series and lost to the Dodgers. Um, but other teams in that division, you got the Yankees, you got the Blue Jays, you got the Red Sox, and you have the Orioles. So where you got them finishing at, Jim? So, I mean, AL East, another, I think, you know, both sides, the AL and NL, the East division is, it's tough. Um, I think this division is going to go to the Yankees. Uh, I see them, I mean, that lineup through and through is just a tough lineup. I mean, you got Aaron Judge, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Um, There's just a lot of firepower in that lineup. Um, Their pitching staff, they did pick up Corey Kluber. Um, And I think behind them, you're going to see it could flip-flop, but, Probably the Rays and the Jays, uh, and then you know finishing out the Red Sox and the Orioles. I I just you know that division. I mean there wasn't a whole lot of guys moving around. I know Freddie Galvis is with the Orioles now. Michael Walker's with the Rays. Uh, George Springer, um, you know he signed a six year, hundred fifty million dollar deal with the Blue Jays, um, and then Garrett Richards, uh, right handed pitcher, he signed a one year deal with the Red Sox. So I mean you know I, I just think that's a division the Yankees are going to win. Um, you know, the Yankees are always that team that you're going to talk about. Um, I, I just, I see them, there's a lot of firepower in that lineup. And, uh, yeah. you know, I see them winning that division and I, I think they're going to run away with it. But what's your thoughts? I'm going to go a little bit out of left field. I'm, I'm going to go with the Blue Jays uh, to win the AL East. And that's because I feel like their lineup is is young, but also very capable offensively. Um, you know, I think, you know, with Bo Bichette at shortstop, um, you know, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., stud, first baseman, hits bombs. Uh, they brought in Marcus Simeon from the Athletics. He's a stud. Uh, they got Calvin Biggio. And then, as you mentioned, George Springer in the outfield, a guy that, you know, one of the best center fielders in, in Major League Baseball. He, he's won World Series with the uh, Houston Cheaters, as you call them. Um, but, uh, and also, I think their rotation's pretty good. Um, they got Ryu, 
Robbie Ray, Nate Pearson, Ross Stripling. I think they're pretty good. Uh, bullpen could be an issue for them. Uh, but I've got the uh, Blue Jays surprising some people and winning the AL East. Followed up with the Yankees. Obviously, the Yankees, like we mentioned, they're, they're always going to be a super team. Uh, they're like the Lakers in the NBA or the Brooklyn Nets, whatever. They bring in whoever they want because they can afford it. Um, so they've got Garrett Cole. Uh, he's considered widely to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. Corey Kluber they brought in, uh, former you know uh, all-star with the Cleveland Indians. He went to the uh, Texas Rangers, I believe, is where he was last year. Um, but he's back. You know, we'll see where he where he's at with his age and his injury history. Um, then their bullpen. You know, obviously they have uh, Chapman, who's I feel like kind of has lost some of his uh, luster in the last couple of years. I know you may disagree with that, but I just feel like you know he he obviously can still throw hard. Uh, but we've seen him in playoff series where he's been kind of tatted up a little bit, uh, and I don't think guys have that same fear stepping in the box to, get, to face him um, on a given day. No, I, I just think guys can hit 100-plus now. I mean, yeah. it's not – you have to have off speed, which he does, but you can't control it and you can't you know, you know, can't navigate the zone. Guys are going to take a yard, and we've seen that in big moments. Chapman has been that guy that's made into a meme because he gives up the long ball. Yeah, for sure. Also brought in Darren O'Day into the bullpen, so they're you know they're okay in the bullpen as well, uh, but their lineup has a lot of power, and it's it's always going to have that power when you can spend the money they do. Gary Sanchez, of course, a catcher. Um, they brought in Jay Bruce, who's hit a couple bombs so far this season for them. Uh, impressive Bruce. for him. We uh, miss you. We miss you in Cincy, Jay. <laughs> Luke Voigt, first base. He led the AL in home runs last year. DJ LeMahieu, runner up for the MVP in the AL last year. Um, so, I mean, you're going to continue to hear me talk about guys like this that are just uh, Gio Urshela at third base. Uh, Glaber Torres, a guy I remember the Reds were talking about possibly trying to work out a trade for Glaber Torres uh, to get him in as that shortstop position for them, but weren't able to do that. Uh, and then the outfield, you got Clint Frazier, Brett Gardner, um, Aaron Hicks, and then Aaron Judge, uh, and then your designated hitter is Giancarlo Stanton. So a lot of power and pop from the Yankees. Um, I have them finishing second. Um, I have the Red Sox finishing third. Um, you know, I think they're improved this year. Um, like guys, um, that, you know, like, like Raphael Devers, uh, who is their third baseman, I think he's a stud young player. Uh, he's going he's gonna to increase his production this year, as well as Xander, Xander Bogart's shortstop. I think he's, he's going to be better this year as well. They kind of, I think they finished last in the division last year, but I think the Red Sox will be better this year. They're typically, historically, a pretty good um, you know, organization. So I think they, they bounce back a little bit this year. I got the Rays finishing in fourth. Uh, Rays did lose two of their starting pitchers that were part of that big three last year. So they lost Charlie Morton and then also Snell. Uh, they have Glasnow back this year. Uh, and they also brought back Chris Archer. Um, you know, the Rays, the thing with the Rays, they, they are a team that always develops those young pitchers. But what happens is, you know, they develop them. They come up through the Rays organization. They're really good. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they get, you know, courted, I guess you could say, by those big market teams, and all of a sudden they're gone. Um, and Chris Archer was one of those guys that, you know, he came up through the Rays organization, he was at lights out, and then he went to the Pittsburgh Pirates on a free agency deal, and, and he kind of sucked, to be honest. Uh, but he's back, uh, so we'll see if he can get back to his old form in Tampa Bay. They also brought in Michael Walker, as you mentioned, to the rotation. Uh, so it'll be a different rotation for Tampa Bay this year. We'll see what they can do. They, of course, went to the World Series last year, um, but I just don't foresee that happening again with their lineup. Kind of a bunch of guys that you don't really know their names. Um, just, you know, if you don't follow baseball re religiously, you don't really know who they are. Um, but uh, catcher Mike Zuzino, um, first base is uh, Choi. Um, second base, Brandon Lau. Um, third base, uh, 
Joey Wendell, shortstop, uh, Willie Adams, and then in the outfield, Randy Arozarena. Of course, he was a, kind of a star in the World Series last year, uh, kind of broke out in the playoffs. Austin Meadows as well. Uh, and then Manuel Margot also in the outfield. So um, I have them finishing in fourth and then followed up by the Baltimore Orioles in last place. Uh, Baltimore didn't really make a lot of moves. I mean, Jimmy mentioned Freddie Galvis coming over from the Reds. He replaces another former Red, Jose Iglesias, at shortstop for the Orioles. Uh, but they're kind of in rebuilding mode, and they have been for a while. And I think they, they stay in rebuilding mode this year. They're waiting on their prospects to come up. They have one of the best um, prospects in baseball coming through. Uh, and that's a catcher, um, Adley Rutschman. So uh, they're waiting for, you know, those younger guys that come up and produce for them, kind of like the Reds are right now, and they're finally producing. Uh, so I think the Orioles are kind of waiting on, on on the younger generation of talent to come through. Because like I mentioned to you, they haven't been really relevant since Cal Ripken days. So um, I have them finishing last. Um, so that wraps up our Major League Baseball segment on the Legacy lineup, and we're going to move on to our next segment. Uh, so obviously March Madness finished up um, after our last episode. We, we took a week off. Uh, we let, you know, Easter happen and all of the announcements and holidays, you know, that followed. And, um, you know, I guess that gives me an opportunity to say congratulations to you. You and your wife announced uh, uh, your first pregnancy together. Um, so everybody's excited about that. So congratulations to you guys. I know, you know, I'm, I'm really Thank excited you. for Bowen and Hayes to have a a little friend to run around with, you know, in the coming days. So, uh, but we took, took last week off, but in that week uh, we did see a national championship between Baylor and Gonzaga. Baylor kind of dominated that game defensively and offensively. Um, maybe surprising. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just going to the final four, Gonzaga, UCLA, Gonzaga had a heck of a road. I mean, when it came to UCLA, I mean, that's a tough matchup. Mm-hmm. I think they were tired. Uh, that buzzer beater at the end, I mean, unbelievable. It's like one of those buzzer beaters you knew it was going. When, when that's you your, that's your one shining moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that dude, I mean, that was unbelievable. Great game. Um, I, You know, I I really thought UCLA might upset him, but it went the other way. Uh, but then you had Baylor playing Houston, and I just think it was, you know, kind of a cakewalk for Baylor. And then, you know, they get in there against Gonzaga. And, and not not downplaying Baylor. I mean, that's a great program. And, yeah, you know, they've done a great job, and they, they won it pretty handily. I mean, so I, I think, um, you know, Baylor really showed what they can do. I mean, they, they're just big. They were right. big all over. Well, I, I think the difference in that game was was the um, athletic advantage that Bay- Baylor had. I think they, they had more athletes on their roster. Um, you know, I saw a tweet. Someone said that Baylor trains with the football team. Um, you know, their yeah. basketball team trains with the football so, team. And, you know, I mean, they're just athletes, you know, defensively so quick, um, you know, offensively as well. I just don't think Gonzaga had the athletes to match up with them in that game, and and that's what led to a national championship for Baylor. I think it was their first in, in school history. So yeah, I mean, and that's you know that's the first time that the preseason one and two Gonzaga Baylor they've met in the national championship since like the early two thousands, late nineties. Um, so pretty exciting. I mean, it was, it was an exciting uh, tournament, really. I thought I thought March Madness this year was really fun to watch. Well, it was definitely great to have it back, you know, yeah. after we didn't get it last year. Yeah, and it I, gave I, something to do. You know, and yeah, it definitely gives you something to do. I mean, everybody's looking at their brackets. Mine was busted after the round sure. of 64. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it was definitely fun to have it back and watch it. Uh, you saw some teams like Oral Roberts upsetting our Buckeyes, Loyola Chicago making a run. Just fun to watch. I mean, really it was. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Good time. Um, but looking around the college basketball landscape, we've got some changes that have also occurred uh, since we last had an episode. Uh, Roy Williams, the uh, legendary North Carolina Tar Heel coach, deciding to step down. 
Uh, he's going to be riding off into the sunset into retirement. His replacement is Hubert Davis. That was announced last week. Uh, and then, you know, Porter Moser, uh, a guy that, you know, is I think probably pretty heavily sought after for the last couple of years, you know, out of Loyola. He's, he's made that team uh, or taken that team on a couple of different runs to the NCAA tournament. He's taking over at Oklahoma after their uh, head coach retired. So uh, two big head coach signings there. Sean Miller, uh, Arizona, former Xavier head coach. Uh, Dante played under Sean at Xavier. He uh, was, you know, let go from Arizona. So he and his brother both, Archie Miller and Sean Miller, both looking for employment this year. You know, I kind of wonder if they wouldn't team up at like a place like UC. You know, that would be kind of cool, yeah, for sure. And Sean was a Xavier. Speaking of UC, right. That, speaking of UC, uh, John Brandon, their head coach, was suspended uh, and then eventually let go from his position as well after an investigation. I don't know if you've seen the comments on you know on social media or whatever from his lawyer, but basically he says that you know there was no investigation. There's, there's a lawsuit right. coming there, and you know that that's who knows what happened there. I mean, I you know it just sounds like John Brandon wasn't a player's coach, and they didn't like him, and they got rid of. Him. Well, it sounds like yeah, and through his lawyer, it sounds like he's trying to stir some more stuff up because I saw him say that. Uh, Luke Fickle, um, you know, sent him a text and it said, you know, this is BS, you know, you shouldn't have been let go, whatever. And he shared that with the media to try and, you know, maybe make even more of a, a stir up at UC. So I, I don't know. I, I, that's kind of unprofessional in my opinion. But uh, John Brandon let go. We'll see who UC brings in. Of course, they've, uh, you know, assigned their associate head coach as, as the interim head coach as of now. I don't know if that'll be for this entire season or if they'll bring somebody in before the season. We'll see. Really, it's an exciting job because nobody's left there. I mean, they right. all you, got, the you get a co- portal. Start you're, start over from yeah, fresh, yeah. You're, you're coming in and starting fresh. And I, I did send a, t- a tweet out to uh, Caleb Gregory, um, you know, who is the biggest UC fan that we know, uh, and he said, you know, hopefully Dante Jackson will apply for that job. Dante, of course, uh, a former classmate of ours at, at Greenfield, the, the legendary McLean Tiger that went to Xavier, and I, I just, you know, I, I don't think he would ever yeah, even consider that. No, no. Way. I mean, money does talk, so we'll right. see. Right, yeah, possibly, I guess, you know, who knows. Um, but staying on the, the uh, college sports discussion, um, this is something we could probably talk about forever because there's so many elements to it. Um, but, you know, initially I wanted to talk about whether or not college athletes should be paid uh, and kind of debate that with you. I was going to have us both take a side. Um, but I think what we kind of figured out from our conversations with one another is I don't know if we can decide on what we really think about this issue. It's, it's kind of a complicated and complex thing. Um, you know, we both have different feelings. You were a sports management major in college. It's something you spent a lot of time researching. Um, so what are your initial thoughts on, uh, I guess, you know, the, the overall debate, should college athletes be compensated for their um, ability or should it, you know, what, what are your thoughts? I just think it's messy, man. This it whole is. debate's messy. Uh, we could talk about it, like you said, for hours. But I think the one thing that people have to consider that they don't consider, when we talk about college athletes being compensated for their likeness, for their image, whatever you want to say, I think a lot of times we think big. We think NCAA Division One. We think Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, UCLA, uh, you know, these big-time programs, these big-time teams, these big cities. And there's more to it. I mean, you have NCAA Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Then you have NAIA Division One and Two, and then you have community colleges and JUCOs that are playing at these junior college levels. So, I mean, there's just no standard rule that's in place, and I don't right. think, I, I don't think it's ever going to be standard across the board. I, I know state governments are coming out with these things, and you know, allowing athletes to do these different things, but it's just messy, man. I mean, I, I honestly. You know, like you said, I was a sports studies management major. 
And I've, I, you know, I've researched this. This was actually, you know, for my capstone course, this was what my project was and part of it anyways. I mean, in one of my courses and, you know, just thinking about the, the whole debate, I mean, it's easy to choose one side or the other, but you know, we've never been in the shoes of a college athlete. Obviously right. they all have different experiences. An athlete at Ohio state is going to have a different experience than an athlete at Shawnee state. True. You know, so there's, there's just a lot of what right. ifs ands, ors, buts. It's just one of those things where I think they should be able to benefit from some things, but I also think every situation is different. Um, and, you know, I, I really don't know, man. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of layers that go into it. Right? And there's I a mean, lot of old school guys, like someone like my dad, he's going to tell you, no, they shouldn't. Right. right. Um, and like you said, you know, you said in the previously recorded one, you know, you never really knew that there, you know, there's a full academic ride. There's no such thing as a full ride, four year, full ride. When you hear that, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're offered a scholarship at a D1, but, you know. It's year-by-year year basis. It's right? year-by-year. I mean, they right. could come in and say, yep, uh, we don't want to bring you back this year. You get injured. Right. But, you know, that's NCAA D1, D2. and D2, there's only so many scholarship dollars. NAI D1, D2, there's only so much scholarship money. NCAA D3, there's no scholarship money for athletics. Yeah. So you're going on academic scholarship. So that's what people don't understand, and I think that's something that really – when you talk about this, you have to get down deep into it. And it's, right. it's one of these things that, I mean, we could research for years. And I think, honestly, we could probably dedicate an entire episode to this and bring three or four guys on, girls, whatever, and just talk about it. Because I think everybody's going to have a different opinion and a different philosophy. Um, yep. you know, I'd be excited to hear some other people's you said You said it's messy, and it definitely certainly is. Um, you know, you think about, you know, when you look at contracts in the NFL and the NBA, you know, what are guys always after? They're after the guaranteed money, right? They want the guaranteed money because what happens if you get hurt? You know, you're not going to get paid. And that's kind of the same thing with these scholarships. Yeah. You're, you're not guaranteed the next year. And that's what kind of makes it tough and kind of puts me a little bit, I guess, in support of the student athlete. You know, if they're getting the full ride or they're not, they're not going to get a full ride, but, you know, if they get hurt, you know, in their sport, you know, if you're a football player and you, you break your neck, you don't, you don't get any other conversation. Well, and that, that takes us back to the NCAA basketball one and done rule. Right. You know, you, you see that happen, but these guys are going where the money is, man. You can't For blame sure. them. They're taking care of their family, their kids, their wives, their girlfriends. And every situation is different, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, I, you, you, can, you can sit back predict the future. So well, you can sit back and you, you can look at, you know, a, a, a school like Ohio state, you know, these guys are coming in, they're getting the best of the best, the best equipment. They're eating the best meals. They're eating the best. But some of these guys, you know, their families are at home homeless. You know, I saw a story of a player at Georgia Tech who committed suicide because, you know, he was so stressed about his family being homeless. And he's at Georgia Tech, you know, getting all these nice things, but he can't really do anything to help support his family. And, you know, that, that's a tough situation to think about, you know, but it's something that these guys go through, um, whether you like it or not. But what I do like is what they're doing right now. I think that, you know, there's the name, image, and likeness thing is out there right now basically saying that a player can benefit off their name, their image, their likeness, like any other person can, right? So they can go to a car dealership and, and, and do an ad for them, be compens compensated for that. Um, they would have like a committee that would, you know, monitor all these transactions to make sure that they're, you know, legal and within the, within the rules. Um, but I think that's kind of where you got to cut it off. You got to cut man. it because if you keep going, you're going to get to where schools are paying players, recruiting players to come play for them. Um, like I said, I heard, I heard an Urban Meyer um, interview where he's talking about this, and you know he, he didn't even want to think about it because you know, he's talking about quarterbacks in the locker room 
talking about how they're paid a hundred grand, but the the wide receiver's only getting forty or you know, a, a left tackle at Alabama is making seventy grand. You know, why would I send my kid to your school? Because if I go to Alabama, I'm getting seventy grand a year. And to it's play. inevitable. It's yeah. going to become part of the recruiting process. And it, that's yeah. I don't. I don't want to see that it, happen. It's just messy, man. And I. I think. I think that's the problem with it. And I think that's why you've never seen it really happen. It's just friggin' messy, man. You. You're. You know, it creates these scenarios for people because let's be real. You know, the quarterback at Ohio State, yeah, he's going to gain off his likeliness and he's going to go out there with his image and be a, at a car dealership. But what about the small-town college, Division One college? You know, And that's where, the, that's where the Title IX stuff comes in, too, because, I mean, what about the water polo player who yeah. you know, wants some money off of what he, you know? I just There's going to be lawsuits as well. It, it, it's friggin' – it's messy, man. I just – I could say it all day. It's just – it's it, tough. It it's drives tough. me nuts thinking about it. And I get really frustrated when you talk to someone a little older, like maybe in their 50s or 60s, like our parents' age. Those, they're old school. Their thought process is old school. Well, you know, you got to work for it. Blah, blah, blah. Right. It is work playing a college sport. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's probably harder than any job we go to day in and day out. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, they're playing a sport. Those guys work their ass off. I mean, it, it is, it's hard. And I think that's something that a lot of times people forget about, man. You go out there and stand across from them. You go out there and stand across from an Ohio State defensive end and tell me they don't work harder than you do. If you know that, it, it's just messy, man. The whole thing is. Yeah, for sure. Um, but so one one last thing on the uh, college basketball front. Uh, while we were on that, EJ Ono, Shawnee State Bear, uh, declared for the NBA draft. Pretty sweet uh, to see one of our, you know, I guess our alma mater, a player from our alma mater who won a national championship, officially declare for the NBA draft. He is a six eleven forward so definitely there's a potential there that you know he could get drafted and you know maybe put shiny state on the map he's built for it man i mean he is he's, he's a big dude and you know you get him in the right program with the right agent you'd be surprised i mean i, I right. think he's got a chance it might start in the g league i wish him all the best because it's really cool you know if you've never been to portsmouth ohio to see a guy come out of portsmouth ohio, come out of shawnee state portsmouth ohio declare for the nba draft i mean that's special that's like jaron cumberland coming from wilmington ohio Right. I mean, it, it's special, man. And Small he's in the town. G League right now. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. So, EJ, if you if you ever would happen to tune in and listen to this, uh, definitely rooting for you, man. Hope you can get there and accomplish your dreams. Uh, you know, we'll definitely be covering you along the way uh, as you go to the next level. So, um, moving on to our next topic, uh, UFC coming up. Um, we, we did we did see the Steve Miocic and Francis Ngannou fight. Uh, that was a couple weeks ago. Steve let me down. He did. He, he let your fan duel down. Uh, I know Jimmy was pretty upset about that. Um, uh, but, you know, Stipe getting up there in age, he's almost 40 years old. He's been through some battles in the last couple fights of his career. And uh, Francis is just the new generation. And I, I don't see anybody uh, on earth <laughs> at this point in time that's going to put a stop to Francis Ngannou. The dude is an absolute nightmare. Uh, 6'3", 265, just a stud. Uh, they're waiting for the John Jones fight with Francis to potentially go down. We'll see what happens, uh, but that's going to be the next big blockbuster fight. Um, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poyes uh, <laughs> signed up for uh, the third go-round. That'll be in July. I know you're excited to see Conor get back out there and, and put on a show for everybody. Yeah, I'd like to see him get smacked in about five seconds and fall down. We'll see We'll see if he makes adjustments. He did lose that last fight to Poyes. He got knocked out. Uh, it was a TKO, not an actual knockout, but I'll um, be out in Vegas in July. I think it's like the week after July week 10th. I think is when the date of the sign 10th. Yep. It's a week before we'll be there. Um, so that's, you know, coming up in the future, uh, today, uh, at 2 PM uh, on this Saturday, 
um, the the tenth Saturday the tenth. Um, Marvin Vittori, an Italian middleweight, is going to be taking on Kevin Holland. Um, it was initially for Darren Till and Vittori, but Darren Till fell out with an injury. So Kevin Holland steps in, big mouth Kevin Holland. We watched him fight a couple weeks ago on uh, ESPN+. Plus. He fought Derek Brunson. He was getting taken down, taken down the entire fight, but didn't, didn't stop running, running his mouth the entire time. So Hopefully we'll he was humbled a little bit. We'll see. We'll see what changes for Kevin Holland. I mean, the dude had an incredible run in 2020, knocked out several dudes. Uh, he was always willing to fight. I love watching him fight because he's always willing to fight anybody, anytime. So he's a, one of those fan favorites. Um, he'll be fighting today in the main event. And then UFC 261, Kamara Usman defends his title once again against Jorge Masvidal. Um, they fought last year. Uh, it was a uh, six-day notice fight for, for Masvidal. He had to lose 30 pounds in six days. So he Brutal, was definitely man. gassed in that fight. I um, wish he could tell me how to do that. Yeah, well, I don't think it, you would want to do it because I don't think it's safe. I think you, most of those guys have near-death experiences when they do that, so I don't think it's probably smart to do that. That'd be what I need. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'm having a near-death uh, experience. But right Usman now. and Masvidal coming up. Masvidal's promising a victory for his fans, so uh, definitely excited to tune into that. Hopefully he can deliver on that. Uh, Kamar Usman's a pretty you know stout stud, too. I mean, that dude's unbelievable as well, wrestling, and, and he's improved his striking greatly. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's not you know holding him down for, for 25 minutes, but we'll see. Uh, and then uh, finally on the UFC, the ultimate fighter is coming back. The TV show, uh, it ran for several seasons, um, five, 10 years ago, uh, kind of an exciting show to watch. You get to see the new prospects coming up through the UFC. Um, and there's going to be two fighters that will be coaching that Brian Ortega and Alexander Volkanovsky, the, uh, featherweight champion of the world. Uh, so those two will be coaching. And then at the end of the season, they will be fighting, um, for the title, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember what UFC event that's going to be, what pay-per-view that'll be. I think it's like 264 or something like that. Uh, but that'll be coming up. So that's what's going on with the UFC right now. Uh, and then, of course, today, the big big event going on is the uh, the Masters. Yeah, definitely, man. And I I'm a, I love the Masters. I live for the tournament. I mean, it's, an, you know, I know it was in November because of COVID, but, you know, these guys are coming back here in April. Uh, you know, I, I think I picked, I picked DJ and JT, yeah. Ren picked Webb since Simpson and Louis Oosthuizen. And Webb had a little run there early. early and the first and day. Webb did have a run, and I don't have the leaderboard pulled up in front of me right now, but I know Justin Rose was he is leading. He he crazy back nine on day one. Day two humbled him a little bit. Um he came back down to earth, as T Scar said to me in the text. So uh, you know, I'm glad to see that because I, I got some fanduels going and I, I got a couple Zalatoris is up there, uh JT's up there. I got some guys in that top that I, I really need to perform today. Uh, I got some money on them. So I'm really hoping they perform. The Masters is just one of those tournaments, man. If it's hot out, if it's dry out, it's going to play tough. I mean, yeah. you're not able to pin hunt. You have to position on those greens in the fairways, in the rough. You really have to know where you're hitting the ball. Um, now, if it starts raining, which I think there is a chance of raining the day and tomorrow there at the Masters, Guys are guys are gonna start pin hunting and they're gonna see we're gonna see lower scores. I would like to see a score of about minus six, minus eight win that tournament. That's a fun tournament to watch. Um, when they can't make putts that are five feet and they're struggling with them, that's fun to watch. Um, and obviously, you know, I know there's some Tiger haters out there. Ren's one of them. No idea why. Uh, Tiger, you know, missing the Masters this year. I know a lot of guys. JT really missing Tiger there. They're good buddies. Um, you know, they, they go around and play that course, uh, some practice rounds. So um, it's going to be exciting to watch. Um, if I'm picking a new guy to win it, uh, based off of what we're seeing, Jordan Spieth. I mean, Jordan Spieth is making a friggin' 
he's returning. Um, you know, he, I've said this a few times today, but he's kind of, I really think he's been hit with that realization that, you know, he wasn't what he thought he was and he's kind of come back to earth <laughs> again using that. But, um, you know, and he's starting to perform a little better. So that's exciting to watch. Uh, but yeah, the masters will wrap up tomorrow, Sunday at the masters. Nothing like it. Make sure you guys tune in. Yeah, for sure. Sorry. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, masters going on right now. Uh, and it is Justin Rose still in the leader, uh, still at the top of the leaderboard. Sorry. At seven under, uh, Will Zalatoris is in second at six under Jordan Spieth. Another one. He's, he's tied for fourth at five under. So and Zalatoris, man, he's young. The dude, great ball striker. I mean, He's a pen hunter. I love the guy. I mean, I don't know much about him, but from what I've watched, he's young and upcoming. I mean, he's going to be relevant in golf. For sure, for sure. Um, I don't have much of an interest in the Masters. Uh, I like the scenery. I think it's cool. I think the production they put on is pretty cool, but uh, typically I don't watch it. I know it's a big thing for you He guys. just doesn't have the mental capacity for those guys listening. Ren's not True. real. You know, he don't have a mental game for golf. No, I, I, I can't stand golf. It's boring. And he's not very good at it. I'm That's not. Probably part of the I did problem. beat you once at Wilmington Oaks, so I'll mention that. One time out of 50 – Hey, but if I'm not very good, I beat you. So that's all, all, all that matters. But anyway, moving on to our next topic. And this is something that some of our listeners Ooh. may. What? <laughs> this is something that some of our listeners may or may not be interested in, but something that we are interested in. So we want to do some, some coverage of, you know, our hunting escapades, I guess you could call them. Um, so spring turkey season coming up. April 24th is opening day. Um, the season only lasts. <laughs> the season only lasts for one month. Uh, but Jimmy and I definitely hoping to get out there and get us a gobbler. Get us a big gobbler. Yeah, so it's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, this is really the first time that we both have went. Um, I went once when I was a kid with my dad, but something I really haven't gotten into until this last year. I've been preparing for the entire year uh, to go, and, and and now it's it's finally upon us. So, Jimmy, uh, for the new and inex- inexperienced hunters, um, what would you say are the most important things to uh, prepare yourself for spring turkey season? Well, you know, we're both new to turkey hunting, and uh, I think the big thing for me was, you know, I've always deer hunted, rabbit hunt, um, things like that, squirrel. I think the big thing with turkey is, you know, you got to learn their habits. You know, I've watched plenty of YouTube, Ren's watched plenty of YouTube, and you got to learn about the equipment. I think the big thing is, you know, what are you going to use to kill the animal, to harvest the animal? Um, for me, the best bet would probably be a, a crossbow. Uh, unfor- you know, I have that, but I also have a gun. I'm going to be using a 20 gauge single shot with a red dot scope. Um, that's, that's going to be my go-to. Uh, I, I really think that that is important. You really got to, you know, practice, you know, getting, I have a turkey choke on mine. You just got to practice, uh, you know, calls, uh, your clothing, those kind of things. Those are all important. Um, and really practicing. I'm horrible with a mouth call. Ren is really good with one. So I, that's important as well. And, the, and there's a variety of calls that you can use as well. I mean, you know, you have the box calls, you have the um, slate calls that you can use. So uh, YouTube videos really help with, with preparing you for that. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's going to be important that, you know, you get your calls that you want to use, you practice using them, and then you find the weapon that you want to use. I'm, I'm using the 12 gauge five, Mossberg 500. You're using the 20 gauge that you just bought from Vance. So um, you know, and then the biggest thing after that is to pattern your shot. So you have to go out, pick your pick your uh, number shot you're going to use. So there's four, five, six, and even seven. Uh, that's the number of shot in the shell that you can use. Uh, and then you have to go out and pattern it and see, you know, how it how it uh, flows and what your pattern looks like from different distances. So 20, 30, 40 yards. 
Um, so those are really the big things. And then we get into scouting. So you want to talk a little bit about scouting? Yeah. Yeah. You know, with scouting, you know, we're hunting locally. So you kind of just go out and you, you, you look for where these turkey roost, uh, you know, and you just basically, you know, you, you use your calls. Um, Ren, what's the verbiage for the calls that you use? Uh, the locator calls. Oh, locator. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Locator calls. Um, and you're really just looking and you're trying to pattern the turkey. Um, that's what Ren and I are trying to do. Uh, we're going to be out there in a couple weeks. Uh, we're probably going to go out in the next couple and just go ahead and, you know, keep scouting our area. We're going to be hunting paint Creek, uh, most likely. So, uh, we're excited to get out there, man. It's going to be fun. Turkey season is definitely going to be a good time. Yeah, for sure. Hold on just one second. Okay. All right, we're back. Uh, so I had to, we were at an hour on that recording, so I had to stop it and, and reset it anyway. Um, so what, um, also is important when you're getting into spring turkey season is, uh, the, the right gear, right? So you, you have to find the camo that you need. Um, you know, turkeys do not have a great sense of smell, but they do have an excellent sense of vision. Uh, so they can see pretty much anything. So you really have to blend into your environment. It's important to, to find the right camo for that. Of course, being spring, there's a lot of greens in the trees and the foliage. So you have to find camo that matches that. Mossy Oak Obsession is the camo that we chose to go with because it has the best, you know, I think, look to it. So definitely important uh, to focus on your camo as well. Um, but yeah, um, we're, we're excited to get ready to go in. Um, I'm probably going to go out with my dad the first time on Saturday. And then I think uh, we'll probably go together on state land as well. Um, throughout the rest of the season so yeah excited to get out there man i mean hopefully your dad's able to teach you a few things i know he's experienced in turkey hunting um you know it's new to us i'm excited man i'm excited to robbie robbie's killed some big gobblers yeah i mean uh, we're gonna get us a big fat gobbler i'm gonna throw it over my shoulder um you guys i, I guess that's that's another thing we can add too is you know the, the different birds so male and female you're only allowed to kill the male turkeys uh there are juvenile adult males they're called jakes and then the uh, full-grown adult males are called toms. Occasionally, you will see a female turkey called a or called hens, just like a chicken. Um, you'll see one with a beard, uh, and you are allowed to shoot those females with beards. Uh, you're only allowed to shoot a bearded turkey, I guess, is the the most um, you know, the easiest way to describe it. So, female with a beard. Female with a beard, and we've seen some of those in the human form as well. <laughs> but it's not. It's kind of rare. But if you were at community markets long enough, you'll you'll see that. So, um, but. Um, yeah, that, that's going to wrap up our turkey season session. Um, so really, what's next for the Legacy Lineup podcast? Um, we're excited to announce that we're going to be doing a uh, mock draft episode. Uh, it's going to be next Saturday, uh, and we're going to be bringing in our friend Jared Combs uh, to do a mock draft, first round of the NFL mock draft. Uh, we're all going to select uh, teams that we're uh, responsible for picking, and then we're going to do it basically the same format as any mock draft, it's basically our prediction of who we think those teams will select. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go off like like Ren said, who we think they'll select, who they we think they'll draft, um, based off of what they need and everything. And then we're gonna go with who we would draft. Um, we're gonna kind of get both sides of it. Excited to do that episode. I know Ren and Jared are really big into the NFL draft. Um, you know, and, and I watch it with them. Um, I'm not as knowledgeable in that area, and I'll you better be study about that. Um, it is fun though. And I, I've learned a lot, you know, being around these two and seeing what they do on draft day and, you know, that they, they really get into it and, you know, just seeing what team needs and stuff. It is fun to research. So I'm excited to have that episode, have Jared on. Um, you know, I know it's going to be his first time on the podcast and, 
Uh, it's going to be fun, man. I'm excited for next week. Yeah, Jared's texting me three or four times telling me how worried he is about his voice sounding uh, too uh, southern. I mean, I'm a hick, baby. You are. And I told him, I was like, J- Jimmy sounds like he's from Georgia, so I don't know Who what gives you're a damn? I mean, I don't really care what any of you guys think about me. So Yeah, you do. Deep down. Anyway, uh, so that'll be next Saturday, the 17th, uh, the mock draft special of the Legacy lineup. We're excited to bring you that. Um, but just in closing, we want to thank everybody for your support. Uh, please get out on our Twitter at Legacy Lineup Pod. Follow us. We only have 41 followers right now. Kind of make us kind of embarrassed in us at this point. Um, but if you if you like the show, you like to listen to us, uh, please follow us on Twitter and then also interact with us. Comment, tweet, retweet. Um, let us know what you want to hear. Um, you know, we're always open to suggestions. You know, it, it, it's kind of tough for us to come up with content every week. You know, we, we're texting back and forth. You know, what are we going to talk about? Um, what's going on in sports? It's you know, people want to hear. Uh, but if you have something that you're interested in, and we've talked about doing different stuff too. We've talked about bringing our wives on here and, you know, going back and forth with them, like, you know, just random stuff, married marriage, you know, talk. Um, and so that's something we may do in the future. You know, it doesn't have to just be a sports podcast. And that's, I think it's important, you know, obviously we love sports and we like talking about sports, but you know, there's other things in life as well that we, you know, we're, you know, we're both going to have kids. So uh, at this point so that, that's something we can talk about as well but you know whatever whatever it is just please reach out to us and let us know what you want to hear thank you for listening to another good episode of the legacy lineup um, i am ren lawwell and my co-host is jimmy barnett we look forward to hearing you or to having you back next saturday